passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of Rewind to Raw, where we have many things to be thankful for, chief among them. Uh, is this life. show we're going to review tonight? Yeah, life. Life life Every is breath. raw. Life is raw. Yeah, it's raw and filtered, and it's three hours long. Um, yeah, so no, it's a big edition of Raw. Are you kidding me? Only, what, two... Uh, two more weeks until the draft takes uh gets implemented. This I can't huge. wait. I can't wait until we see some of these new faces on Raw, and who could show up on which show? I mean, it, to me, uh, I, I cannot wait until we get a whole facelift of of Raw. You imagine when Bianca Belair is on Raw weekly? Jeez, wow! I think the facelift is when we stop seeing other people and only get. Half the roster that we're currently seeing on the show—that's the facelift. Yes, yeah, we're we're gonna get quite the uh, the nuanced explanation as to how the SmackDown tag champions can appear on Raw, but they they really uh, when you're uh, when you got your day off, you can do whatever you want. Right. Okay. Well. Anyway, they they uh, whatever. It's okay. It's fine. Save it, it makes save sense. It, for later. it makes it makes it makes enough sense. It's fine. Uh. Did you have a did you have a Thanksgiving way a nice Thanksgiving uh was this just another weekend how was how was every hour since we last spoke Hmm okay well I uh today I, I did yeah I, I went on a nice little hike with the family and then had some lunch and then uh at um yeah and then uh I just came home so that's really it that was my sort of Thanksgiving day but what about yours like you yours I think it was a bit more eventful I would think yeah, we did. We did like a big uh, Thanksgiving uh, on Sunday uh, with with many family members, and we were uh, tasked with hosting this. Although everyone kind of brought stuff, so it wasn't as daunting as it sounds. Who, who tasked you to do it? Well, we sort of nominated ourselves for logistical reasons to have it here. Uh, so not oh, so right. much tasked as we were. Uh, we were the ones hosting it here, but it was easiest to do it here. Mm, okay, uh, makes sense. Yes. But yeah, we had, we had we had lots of people over and uh, How many? How many people? 15? Wow, that's a lot. Yes. And did you guys do the turkey? We did do the turkey. So so how do you like share turkey between 15 people? How big well, is you, this turkey? Well, you cut it. 
um, and then you oh, disperse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're hilarious. Well, <laughs> how big is the turkey, John? Um, this one it wasn't crazy big. It was I would say 14 pounds. So like almost a pound a person. Yeah, they. I mean, and two of them are like, you know. Children who are like not going to be eating for the same amount as like a a grown right. adult. Uh, it worked out fine. Like we had plenty left over after. I didn't know if fourteen was going to be enough or not, but it was definitely enough. Well, that's wonderful. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. I had a, I had a tremendous time. It was uh, it's good to see a lot of people. It was nice out. Uh, could not ask for uh, much more because last year Thanksgiving, uh, we pretty much just we did something at home, but we we didn't get together with anyone. So are you going to do the turkey again, like for Christmas? Uh, I don't know if, I don't know what we're doing for Christmas, but probably, probably turkey. That's usually the two times of the year that I have turkey. See, I see, we don't really do any of that. We just like go out and eat, you know, like we don't do turkey ever, but nothing um, wrong with that. No, have you ever made, have you ever made turkey? Never. Oh, you should do it once. You, you, maybe you you would probably enjoy it. It, Fuck. It looks like so much work. It's not, it's not like, uh, dude, find a YouTube video. Like it's, it's not as daunting as people make it out to be. Okay, I'll, t- I'll maybe I'll take your word for it, but um, but I always like I, I if I were to do it, I think I would prefer the Canadian schedule for Thanksgiving because you at least get a month buffer between the turkeys. You know, imagine doing yeah. a turkey on a, a November and then a turkey again in December. Yeah, you that's can't too even much miss turkey. it. Yeah, it's, it's too much turkey and it's too much time with the family. As much it's as doing, it's it's the draft moves going into effect a couple weeks before Survivor Series. You can't. Yeah. They haven't gone away. You can't miss them ridiculous you know maybe swap it up okay do the turkey during easter all right and then and then uh november you could just uh i don't know have have eggs now we we've got it down our timing in canada for thanksgiving uh vastly superior i mean booker t had it right on the weakest link thanksgiving is in october oh yeah i (laughs) that was a legendary uh appearance on the weakest link wasn't it that's uh when I think of Canadian Thanksgiving, that's not too far removed from what I what I think of when I hear Canadian Booker Thanksgiving. Tea on the weekend, Booker Tea being asked yeah, when is yeah. when is U.S. Thanksgiving and Canadian his answer was October. Fans lived in the U.S. his entire life, but um maybe a Canadian a Canadian at heart. He's Booker he's tea. toured Canada many times. Yeah. All right. Well, um, for all of our Thanksgiving news and notes, uh, that was it. We will not be talking about it any further, but we will be talking plenty this week, though uh, altered schedule that we are adjusting. We're going to be coming out this week for all of you Post Wrestling Cafe members. For those of you that say, you know what? Does it get any better? Every week they top themselves. What could they do more this week, folks? One, two, three G1 Climax shows coming your way Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Are we going to let up with just that? No, no. The wellness policy, Thursday at 1. You think just because we're doing the G1, we don't care if you're well? Thursday, Jordan and Way will be live for all patrons. Uh, music is the theme this month. Yeah, Jordan and I are back, and we'll be talking about music and the role it plays in our lives. You know, uh, many people who maybe listen to this podcast know that I'm a huge music fan. I play a little bit of music just as a hobby jordan even more so jordan is actually a touring musician uh as part of a band so we'll be talking about the role that music plays in our lives and possibly being joined by a guest maybe not but hopefully all of you patrons 
who have access to the show at one o'clock on Thursdays will be able to join us to maybe share some of your stories and how music has affected your lives as well. So that's uh, 1 p.m. again, Thursday, Eastern, for all patrons, and then on the free feed the day after. Well, I think you should have noted musician, Toronto Scarborough icon, Lev Fernandez, on the show. But I know if you went to try to invite him, it would be a very weak attempt on your part to try and get him on the show. I think he'd be a fantastic guest. Wow, fantastic. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um. Did he? Did you ask him for a recording, or was it that just more of a research? He was. He was a research tool. Yes. Oh, okay. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. And his voice did get in there. He. It did. Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's dropping on on Thursday for everyone to check out. Friday night we'll be live at our usual time of eleven fifteen. Going through. We need a name for this this battle on Friday night. We need some the the Friday night. Uh, a half hour of. Um, yeah. half, half hour, the glass half hour. Hmm. We'll workshop that one. Yeah. Uh, we will be reviewing SmackDown and Rampage, and we will be live at our usual time of 1115 Eastern for all patrons and taking your calls. Saturday, we're off. Dynamite is not, but we will be doing a show Sunday. Uh, it will be a taped edition of Rewinded Dynamite that will drop uh, sometime on Sunday for us to catch up on Dynamite, news, whatever. So that is coming your way for everyone on Sunday. So those are some of your big highlights this week. And the British Wrestling Experience is back Thursday with our pals Martin Benno and Andy Ogden. The they're triangle ba- of terror. Ooh, they're back. And they'll also be announcing the winner of the BWE Global Transfer. It's it's a, it's a close race, dude. Very close. So you still have some there's, time to There's going to be some upset people. Yes, there is. You still have some time to vote and listen to the show at postwrestling.com slash BWE. And also a shout out to our friends, of course, at Up Next and John Cena Shot in the Dark, uh, as usual, on their feed, dropping a whole bunch of shows, including their AEW reviews as well. Pro- probably on a Saturday. I don't know exactly when. So Maybe, maybe we'll get a... Maybe he'll squeeze in a 14-second uh, review of his trip to the... New York Comic Con on Friday. Oh, John Cena. I hope so. Our post wrestling yeah. correspondent. Yeah, yeah, including a meeting with uh, MJF, who t- uh, who told me to eat shit. I believe were his exact words. So a, sin- a sincere message he had for you. That was nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. All of that can be found postwrestling.com. Go check out all of our shows. Every last one of them. You will be asked at the end of this week. Uh, you will be tested on yeah. skill testing trivia from every single show. Uh, let's get into the news, and we're going to start off with Ray Tings with Wei Ting as we talk about <laughs> <That's> Sm- <great. laughs> I don't know. That just came to me. Oh, that's really uh, cool. We need to brand these segments, Wei. So uh, not a good night. It was SmackDown doing 2,142,000 viewers. Not, not a terrible number for SmackDown, uh, but dropping to a 0.52 in the demo. So they were down 5 and 16% uh, respectively. Uh, they were still tied for first with with ABC Shark Tank. Um, Rampage though did five hundred and two thousand viewers, a point one seven. Those are their lowest numbers by a significant amount uh, since the in, in Rampage's short history. Uh, they fell nineteen percent in viewers this week and thirty two percent in eighteen to forty nine. Um, this was an exceptionally tough night uh when it came to sports we have seen the impact that 
the Major League Baseball playoffs have had so far. And it was kind of a double whammy because you had the Boston and Tampa game that went up against both SmackDown and Rampage. And then the San Francisco uh, LA Dodgers game started at 930. So you had that going against the last half hour of SmackDown and all of Rampage. Plus you had a pair of college football games on ESPN. So that's to kind of preface like this was a significant night of sports competition. And uh, I think AEW took it on the chin hardest. Their 18 to 34 audience was down almost 50%. Uh, men 18 to 49 were down 35%. And with SmackDown, uh, it was their female audience, 18 to 49 and 35 to 49 that got hit pretty hard. Um, but still way that's, it's still a big loss. I would say for, for rampage, like it was, Yes, you're going up against sports, but do you look at this as kind of your your bottoming out number for Rampage? It's like 32% in the demo, like sports or no sports. I, I still think that is a, a number that you should be taking note of. And it will be interesting to see what the response is, especially for a week that has now been elevated to such a um, significant week that it wasn't going to be, but now is a big one. Uh, I, d I definitely do think it's significant. Absolutely. I don't, you know, despite the competition, I, I don't necessarily think it's one that you really should be sh sugarcoating. I mean, there, there, there seems, you know, as always, you know, whether it be a great spike or, or uh, up or, or a spike down, ultimately, it's really the trends that matter. And so I don't think it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to demand, you know, that the show be moved to a different hour. I don't think it's time to... Uh, hot shot your you know uh, big matches on a on a Friday. Um, Kenny Danielson Friday night. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous. You yes. know, like and I, and they they have not reacted in that way. But this is th this week will be a very interesting test of Tony Khan to see. You know, he kind of he he made Friday night. Um, see, WWE took the first blow by going with this half hour overrun, but it is. I mean, it was only fanning the flames with that that tweet on Friday that I, I'm surprised, actually, we didn't see more of um, an emphasis on SmackDown tonight on Raw. I thought tonight was going to be a massive push for Friday. Like we had the inserts, like the commercial breaks, but within the body of the show, I was expecting more. Hmm. Right. Yeah, that is the thing, you know, that makes me wonder if if Tony Khan was aware that the ratings where they are right now, would he still have had? the confidence to send out that tweet on the Friday night when he did. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Maybe the answer is yes. You know, maybe to him, ultimately, well, again, we see what the rating will be this Friday, but maybe ultimately it means more people will be watching wrestling in general. But um, this is certainly not a great rating heading into what is supposed to be a, a, a mini battlefield of, of this 30 hours at 10 o'clock on the Friday night. Yeah, I, I think long term, I think the... The bigger picture here is that two years in, it's AEW and WWE and their main show are in the same breath and they are being compared. And I do look at that as a big win for AEW just in terms of their prestige outside of wrestling, that people are understanding what AEW is. And I think if they play their cards right, this week should be a big spotlight on that. Like here is AEW that is going against SmackDown and there's this mini competitive cable battle on Friday that on its own, I don't think anyone is uh, stopping the presses with the results of Friday, but there is a larger picture to all of this. And that is how Friday's numbers are, are handled, how they are processed and what the next moves are, how they, how they look at those results and what happens further. 
Well, to me, just as interesting as maybe the results themselves is what the spin is going to be to fit whichever narratives that whichever, you know, whoever is telling the story and reporting the numbers and whatever tweet to Twitter user will use um, how they will spin whatever results to to fit whatever. I don't know. Um Whatever team that they want want to cheer for. Well, you know uh, what? Here, I'm I'm going to be very unselfish here. Okay, if Chris Harrington wants to go on WrestleNomics and break down, I'm inviting Nick Khan to come on to post wrestling, <laughs> and he can go through second by second of SmackDown. We'll go through the entire two and a half hours. I will also get his match ratings. Nick Khan, the the floor is yours to come on here. Gotcha. Okay. Well, listen, it's it's only fair. So, um, very gracious of you, John. But um, ultimately, listen, like to me, this is fun. OK, this is a fun Friday where we have uh, oh, two- it'll be a fun Monday next week at four o'clock. That'll be a completely rational uh, process yeah. of, of math. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I love sort of like some of the, the fervor uh, and, and hysteria that, that comes with being a wrestling fan to cheer for the show that maybe you want to do better. I hate when the insults get personal and they just become more than just me cheering for my team versus your team or cheering for the sport in general. Um, well, that's about 70%. <laughs> so listen, we'll, we'll like, try and focus on the 30% of a good faith interpretation of these numbers next week and what we can learn from it. Yeah. And, and as far as like our job goes, we try to like really honestly be, be as fair as we can. John, you do a great job. I think in your, your reporting, but it's like, we if if a show is doing good then great if a show is doing bad then that's that that's fine too like it's keep it to the numbers keep it to perhaps you know like what what what's what this is and, and keep it away from the people that are just simply enjoying these things and um i i just ask everybody to you know be respectful be respectful and just have fun with each other shake hands with your fellow wrestling fan at the end of it all uh, moving on from the numbers, um, that, that's pretty much the, the extent of, of Friday night, but I, I would say like both, both shows got, got hit the, um, the SmackDown, um, 18 to 49 number, I believe that was their lowest since July 9th, which is the week before they went, went back in front of live fans. So they, they definitely took a hit too. Uh, but I, I think it's rampage that there will be more attention on them falling to, the, the level that they did with a, a 0.17 game changer wrestling. Uh, I, I put this second here in the, in the order here. They had a really big weekend. Uh, I don't know how much of the shows you got to see way, but I saw most of Saturday's show and that was highlighted by the announcement that they will be going to the Hammerstein ballroom on Sunday, January 23rd, which I'm sure they are going to be marketing and promoting as their biggest show to date. Um, the Hammerstein ballroom, you know, for past wrestling shows can fit in the neighborhood of like 1800 people. I don't think they will have any problem filling that for this show. Um, that show on Saturday, I just thought it was such a fun show and it just feels like they are, they are hitting on so many cylinders at the moment. It feels like a really hot product that, uh, that video just to announce going to the Hammerstein ballroom. Like that to me is how you market an event. It's, making it feel like this is historic. You want to be at this show. You want to see this show because it's a major step in our growth as a company. Uh, and then you had John Moxley and Nick Gage uh, murder one another uh, right after this. So a feel good moment all around. 
They hit on all the cylinders. They hit each other <laughs> with the cylindrical tubes and the rect- rectangular uh, glass panes. Oh my god! It was uh, yeah. I, I at least caught the main event. I caught highlights of most of the show, but yeah, the main event was where I, what I was really kind of tuning in for. And uh, I think it delivered definitely on the gore and the bloodiness uh, that you would expect from a match of that uh, type uh, and of that hype. Mm, I will say though, as a match, it was like I mean, not that like Nick Gage matches are like you know these sort of classics, but there were moments where I really felt like it was more of just the show of like oh you let me cut you i'll let you cut me rather than like this kind of very intense back and forth battle that i have seen you know some great examples of within gcw as far as the deathmatch wrestling goes so um i don't know if like there there was suspicion at least among the online fan base that like gage might have been hurt at some point and the finish felt a little bit awkward as a result um but it it did certainly feel um abrupt the, the the finish even with like the the spectacular looking like uh you know paradigm shift off the turnbuckle but it it did kind of come out of nowhere do you think that they'll do that match again in, in hammerstein what what is the main event in hammerstein i think it has to be moxley um in yeah. some form i mean the thing is with like a match that we just saw with him engaged like <laughs> I, I say this and immediately it sounds silly but like what what more can you escalate this to? Like where, like oh, exploding! Uh, I guess explosions. Yeah, like maybe maybe a Jato a Jato rocket can make its way, courtesy of Atsushi Onita. Um, yeah, get your ringside tickets for the Jato rocket. Yeah, for people unaware, this is um, so Atsushi Onita is bringing back FMW, um, now called FMWE, or at least this iteration. They've done several shows now. Yeah. Well, they already have have been. Back. Yeah, okay. they have come back. This is for. Um, uh, an upcoming event and the the latest thing he has promised for a match is a missile that he has designed <laughs> it will what fire a hundred feet in the air and then land in the ring i mean what could go wrong um no nothing are you kidding me yeah but i don't think they're getting the, a missile into the hammerstein ballroom um it's tough it's a great you, you gotta you, you gotta be vaxxed to get into the buildings in new york so i don't know i don't know how rockets are gonna sneak their way in Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but I, I certainly get getting back to your question. I would say Moxley for sure. And I mean, maybe it's it's a Japanese import for some kind of like, oh. I, I, I don't think this is going to be one where it's going to be a big struggle to sell 1800 tickets to this show. Like you, you want all the key players. And I would say one or two international uh, talents that come over that are a novelty, especially for a Moxley kind of dream match, death match scenario. That's mm-hmm. where I would lean off the top of my head. Well, what would that name be, deathmatch-wise? Oh, Kobayashi. Kobayashi? Abdullah Kobayashi. Is that a big enough name? Sorry, it doesn't really elicit much. This is the dude that uh, Damien did his his doc about and just focused on. This was the man I was introduced to the full extent of the... Uh, what did he call them? The Tenzons or the Kenzons? Some, the fucking bolts that got stomped into his forehead? Yeah, I don't recall at the moment, but um, I, I don't know if there's a big enough name other than maybe Onita himself, you know, deathmatch-wise, if you wanted to promote something. You could do Moxley and Onita. Yeah, maybe. But even then, I think Gage versus Moxley, too, would be bigger than that. Uh, but beyond that, it's like, you know, we're just talking, I think, a very loyal GCW fan base. And fuck, like, all they have to do is create one or two more of these great videos from Giancarlo Datamo. Uh, the mastermind behind much of GCW's creative, and you know the 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 guy behind the um, 
uh, the Vladimir documentary as well as the uh, Tom McGee documentary, of course, as well. You know, he and a very talented the, guy. The Ruby Riot videos as well. Like he's just, just done a whole lot of shit. And and this video that was done, I thought was so good of simply these GCW wrestlers going into the Hammerstein ballroom. I mean, you don't know it's the Hammerstein to start, but you just see their close-ups of their faces as they're looking up into the signature roof of this place. Um, and voiceovers talking about just, you know, the, 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 the detractors for not just GCW, but also just their entire careers, including Matt Cardona being a part <laughs> of this as well. It just looks so damn cool and made you absolutely want to be a part of this show. So, I mean, I have no doubt that their, their promotional power will be uh, top notch for this event. I really like McFoley on commentary. Like he was, you could tell he was blown away by the reception he got, which was not surprising, but you could see it meant a lot to him and he was all in on the death match it wasn't like he was like embarrassed by this or just not up to like he was totally into this he put his own personal experiences in it. i i thought he was very good on on commentary i think that um you know mick foley having some kind of uh role with gcw in the future would be you know doing commentary we never really got that extended foley commentary run when he got put on smackdown i mean he was gone so quickly after he got paired with jim ross and went to tna that we never got to hear him have a regular presence on commentary and this was just a one-off and i i I was very impressed by him it was certainly like a nice yeah to to kind of have the the prestige of his involvement with deathmatch wrestling in really a big star endorsed this company and this yeah. this kind of signature match for them and like he he came off like a fan of it and that makes your product i think come off well well he came out, he came out speaking and he almost it almost seemed like he got emotional hearing the reaction that he had here and you know the first thing he said when he got on the microphone was that he wishes his children were here to watch this reaction of him and it almost felt like to me that he was caring so much about this hardcore audience's um reaction and when i say hardcore i mean like the most passionate wrestling fans these are these are some of the most passionate wrestling fans that exist in the country uh and their reaction to him um so it to me added a whole lot to i think you know what how how a viewer looks at GCW when they see see that somebody who's wrestled, wrestled at WrestleManias and has just done you know done shows in countless different venues considered the reaction to this crowd so special. Um, yeah, I wonder if he'll be involved a bit more. Um, I do continue to have like I know we were talking about deathmatch wrestling, but of course, like I can't watch this and really not mention. Um, some concern for safety, like ultimately I hope like if you're as GCW stock grows, as, as they're, they continue to run bigger venues, as more people start to pay attention to them, I really do hope that they are paying that much closer attention to their safety, um, uh, just procedures, you know, I, I really hated that chair shot Effie took in the, uh, Matt Cardona match. I mean, that to me, I just, I have no place for that in 2021. I really hated that spot. It might sound really silly to like say that I want to see a safe death match, but I mean, as as much as I think is possible, this company, the more attention that they're going to get, the more scrutiny they're going to get, and the more people, like a McFoley, like you know, like I do think it's a risk that he is taking being associated with a company like this because um, he is a much more mainstream name. 
Uh, and you know, should anything like go terribly wrong at these at these shows, like he's putting his face all over it. And I'm not saying this to protect McFoley, but really to protect the company because I want to see like the fact that this company exists and they're able to be so creative with their alternative way of thinking is so needed. It's so necessary in the world of professional wrestling that in many ways feels very stagnant, and every company kind of feels like a clone of each other. So uh, I want this company to thrive. Just because I think the, uh, the their their way of, of promotion is so cool, um, and I, I I I just want every everything to be done as safely as possible. Uh, there was also a big angle where the Briscoes showed up, which notable to see a, an ROH team get the go ahead to come do GCW, and they're going to challenge Mance Warner and Matthew Justice on. So their next weekend of shows is October twenty second and twenty third in LA. They're going to do Bloodsport on the Friday night. And Saturday night, it's their war ready card, which will have that tag title match. And then what they've announced so far, uh, Psycho Clown is going to debut John Gresham against Alex Zane and Minoru Suzuki versus Nick Gage. Damn. Wow. Yikes. Uh, we're, We're coming up like by the time he finishes that show, Suzuki will have almost been here two months in the States. Just move here. Come on. Like, I'm sure that we can get this guy a green card or the American can get him a green card. It's been a lengthy stay he's had here. Yeah. Oh, he might as well just stay. Come on. I think this country will gladly accept him. Uh, Thunder Rosa also making an appearance. That's right. Thunder Rosa got thrown into the scramble match as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like a pretty noteworthy show on on the Saturday. And then they came back on on Sunday with uh, Minoru Suzuki and Joey Janela and Alex Colon, Jimmy Lloyd in the top matches on that one for the aftermath. G1 will resume on Tuesday. So we've got uh, Tanahashi versus Jeff Cobb, Evil and Goto, Okada against Chase Owens, Sonata against Yoshihashi, and Taichi against Tamatonga in the tournament matches. So your B block is down to Cobb and Okada with 12 points. Evil's got 10. So that's kind of your picture as we're probably going to get several eliminations over the next week between the two blocks. The A block has Abushi on top with 12, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, and Shingo Takagi with 10. So I imagine uh, several people uh, falling out this week because uh, a week from ne- a week from today will be the A block final, and we're 10 days away from the final, which is the same morning as Crown Jewel. It will go the finals at Budokan, and then at noon is the Crown Jewel show. So that will be a busy Thursday. Yes, it will. Yeah, we'll figure out a way to to tackle it all, of course. But this is the point in the G1 where you take your calculators out and you um, do a lot of math. This is uh, the most math I'll probably ever use outside of um, OAC calculus uh, in my career is during these periods of the G1. So if you like this part of the G1 or if you simply want to see some really important matches and you know which characters to hone in and focus on, uh, then now's the time to jump in if you haven't. Uh, ROH has announced their final battle show will take place December the 11th in Baltimore. Um, Interesting to see, like they have bounced around nights of the week to try their pay-per-views. They were on Fridays for a long time, then trying Sundays. Uh, This is a Saturday night and not just a Saturday, but one where there will be uh, a UFC pay-per-view the same night. Um, So we will see how uh, final battle shapes up. I mean, you are talking more so, I think, if you're the ROH fan, I don't know how much crossover there's really going to be with the UFC pay-per-view, but uh, it is interesting when you're running on traditional pay-per-view as well as streaming of what kind of um, 
just what kind of ad inventory you're going to receive and promotion when, you know, the lion's share is obviously going to be allocated towards uh, UFC. And on that note, former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez, seeing all of the praise Junior Dos Santos is getting, he is returning to AAA in December. And uh, this guy has to have been the, like, <laughs> this incredible transition in 2019 that just totally went to nothing after one match in WWE, a quiet release, and he's pretty much not been heard from for a year and a half. Are you surprised that it is AAA that he is returning to? And what kind of response do you expect that Cain Velasquez to receive coming back to pro wrestling? And can he kind of recapture some of that interest he had with those, especially with that triple mania appearance that he, uh, the six man that he did in 2019? Well, I mean, you know, you take you just kind of took me back to a time when I think he, for at least a weekend, was sort of the talk of the industry. You know, the idea that, oh, my God, Cain Velasquez is doing a Hurricane Rana and he looks to be a total natural at this. And then the WWE gobbled him up and they proceeded to really do nothing with him. And then I guess he got injured shortly after that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he Something was dealing like with with a knee injury and that was that was it. He did the, he was like one and done with the Brock match in Saudi Arabia and that was that was it. And I mean, did not like the world on fire when he came in either. Yeah, unfortunately. And I also feel like you know, maybe ultimately didn't really seem to be a great fit within that WWE system. Otherwise, I feel like they maybe would have, you know, uh, made a ploy to keep him around a, a bit longer. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that he's not with them anymore. And that he's trying to perhaps rebuild some of that momentum within AAA. But I will say, like, the luster is certainly um, off of him quite a bit more this time around. It's sort of like, you know, we've already kind of seen it. Uh, we've even seen him do a minor trip in the WWE, which we really can't say was successful. And uh, how much of the audience is necessarily clamoring for him to, to, to you know, see him in a big stage uh, outside of AAA again? I'm not really so sure because we have so many other options in wrestlers. But... If he has some great performances in AAA and can really kind of wow the crowd again, then of course, like um, he can quickly build that that back up. I think. Yeah. Another MMA note: um, uh, it was Ariel Hawani that reported that looks like it will be Jorge Masvidal and Leon Edwards December the 11th. That pay per view I just mentioned at 269 in December. Uh, the relevance to that is with Masvidal now going into a training camp. What impact does that have on whatever his plans were for AEW? We know he'll be there at Rampage on Friday in the corner. But if, for instance, they were hopeful of doing something at full gear, um, I do not see him doing any kind of physicality or pro wrestling when you've got a fight on December the 11th and now you're entering a camp. I certainly don't see Dana allowing it. You know, as friendly as as he may be with the Tony Khan, I, I can't see him putting one of his prize fighters headlining a show. Is he headlining? It's not headlining, but it's a it's a three round fight. It's a okay. big fight on that card. Well, like Masvidal fighting is going to be a big, it's going to be a fairly big deal. When at least one now. of the biggest draws on one of his shows coming up, um, putting him in any sort of risk of danger. Um, I think you'll probably still see him promoted as as being a feature. You know, whether it be ringside or I don't know, making an appearance. He'll probably like throw a, throw a running knee to Jericho again. Um, but as doing a full on match, I, I think that's pretty much out of the cards if it wasn't already to begin with. Uh, two last things here. Um, this was uh, reported on Monday morning uh, that Chuck Liddell was arrested. This was late Sunday, early Monday morning uh, on a domestic violence charge. And the initial uh, reports out were that 
Um, there had been a disturbance at the home and officers came and ruled that it had turned physical and he was taken into custody and then released on a $20,000 bond. Uh, and Liddell then issued uh, the following statement afterwards. He said that last night, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department deputies who responded were professional. While the information about this case will be revealed in due course, I believe it is important to convey and clarify a few facts about the situation. I was the victim of the incident last night at our family home, as details of the case will reveal. The deputies informed me that my wife would be arrested as I did not respond to her assault while I sustained bruising and lacerations. I volunteered to go in her place. This was one of the many times I have tried to shield a family mental health issue from the public purview. It has become painfully apparent that this cannot continue as our private life has now reached a public breaking point. Please respect our privacy as I help to navigate our family through this difficult time. And MMA Fighting had noted that he is to appear in court uh, on Wednesday. So that is uh, the latest on that story with uh, with Liddell's statement that we added to our own story today. And the last thing I want to mention is just uh, wishing a recovery to a local Ontario independent wrestler, uh, Scotty O'Shea, who over the weekend had several seizures and was taken to hospital in Hamilton, where they discovered a large tumor on his brain that he had to go into emergency surgery and they were able to remove the entire tumor. Uh, but obviously he is going to have a lengthy recovery process. So we want to wish uh, all of our best to him. I mean, he has just been a, a constant on the Ontario wrestling scene for as long as I can remember. And you've seen a lot of the, um, the local wrestlers um, just sharing their, their thoughts and well wishes for him. He seems like a very popular individual among the Ontario scene here. So we wish him uh, a full recovery. That's uh that's a very, very traumatic health Scary. issue to go, go through. And uh, thankfully they were able to get him to hospital and mm-hmm. have this emergency surgery. All right. We are now going to move on to raw. Is there anything, uh, before that, hey, shout out to the NWA podcast. Just released an episode oh my God. last night. The best name show of the year. With all due respect <laughs> to some some of the gems I pull out. When I saw Etor DeForce, <laughs> it was one where my immediate reaction, I was a little jealous. Okay? I was like, man, <laughs> that's good. That's really good. Nate Milton, uh, man, uh, the man is the king. He is the man. Yeah. Uh, great show with um, Chris Ely, of course. Uh, I'm going to mess the up. The Moderna was flowing on this show from Chris. Oh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Andrew Tosman, of, of course, with the Newbie News, and also Chinieri Okafor. I hope I said that name right. Of the no, no, Notoriety Sports Network. Uh, they spent much of the episode talking about Big E's title win, of course. Um, Righteous Reg's BWI 500, the Black Wrestling Draws movement, as well. Uh, Chinieri talks about some of the ups and downs of being a black woman in pro wrestling and MMA media. So it's always a Great listen. It's always a lengthy listen, so you can split it up, and it, it's probably you know pretty timeless. I would say of a conversation for the most part. So it's a, it's a really it great show to uh, to check out if you have not uh, had a chance to hear the NWA podcast. This is a great one to jump on board and check it out. They did a fantastic job with this month's edition of the NWA podcast. All right. Um, that and all of our podcasts can be found at postwrestling.com and the NWA podcast. It comes out on the free feed. Tonight, Raw took place from San Francisco, California at the Chase Center, where the brand divide was loosened tonight. Where 
it's been loosened since the draft. I mean, that I think they have established that though, John. You know, like it's it's sort is of it, isn't this way more interesting as a viewer like why do i want to have these separate rosters now i'm getting the best of both worlds right now why do why do i want these separate rosters they're telling me that's this great change that's coming i i like it where i can just see anyone yeah it is kind of true now listen if if the wwe actually had a real ranking system and they can build this sort of as the off season okay if we are actually if we actually have a beginning of a season we have an end season and they could market these as exhibition matches that don't really count towards a ranking system I think we would actually have something. There'd be something special about this little period between the draft and whenever this tra- the, 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 the rosters are actually supposed to be implemented. But because there is no real true distinction between when the draft starts and really when it begin- begins, or, or for me, maybe what I mean is there's no distinction about when matches matter or in fact, if in fact any matches matter at all, um, then it's, it's all quite meaningless. I can tell you the the opening round of the Queen's Crown tournament it it meant a, it meant a ton to uh the amount of time they allotted to this. Do you do you know what the total time was of the first round matches in the women's tournament? I I can guess it would be less than um maybe a Young Lions match in New Japan. 8 minutes and 18 seconds of wow. those four four matches. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Drew came out with the sword. And he put over Crown Jewel. He's going to become champion after waiting for months. And it's his last chance to win the WWE title before going to SmackDown. And he has a story. But before he can share his big story, Biggie cuts him off. I'm sure they thought this was going to be a big babyface moment. Stop story time with Drew McIntyre. And they come out. Big E, they mention at a big weekend at the Iowa game. And opening up Deontay Wilder and... Uh, Tyson Fury, which uh, I did not see the fight. Everyone has raved about the fight, um, but I did see Biggie's introduction. And this guy, I mean, this guy's so amazing. How did this guy get from like Iowa to was it Las Vegas where the fight was? Where was the fight? I Texas. Think it was Vegas. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't in Iowa, everybody. Okay, so <laughs> this man did quite a bit of traveling, and it was his face was everywhere on Saturday. I I felt this was just a like a weekend where. He yeah, really, it was Vegas. Like that's a that's a trek. That's, that's a trek yeah. to make. It really felt like this was a weekend where he felt like, uh, um, I mean, a spokesperson for this company and a spokesperson for professional wrestling. Really, um, and he felt so incredibly natural in that role. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this guy he has just taken so well in this role of champion. Like sometimes we look at when you put the title on someone of that mm-hmm. adjustment period, and I think they've. They've really struck it with with Big E and good on them to get him these outside um, promotional opportunities that, you know, a massive fight like Saturday to get your champion on there. That That's a great coup and a do great. We, do we know that WWE was involved? I mean, it was uh, this. They were promoting the fight pretty actively on Friday's Smackdown through True. the Fox combination. But um, right. I, I know in the past um when Biggie did a one of the voiceovers, like Andreas Hale was somewhat involved in that as well. But yes, I would I would assume like there was some Fox tie-in to all of this because it was airing on the Fox app, and they they plugged the hell out of that fight on Friday. Good point. And Raymond Terry says it's a two-hour nineteen flight from Iowa to Vegas, so maybe maybe not as impressive. But come on, checking in, got to get probably get your bags. You got to like you know wait for the Uber. Takes a Dude, while. a two-hour flight in the in the middle of the afternoon. Did did he get into Iowa in the morning? Was he there the night before? That's a lot of traveling. It's a lot, yeah. So Drew says that 
he is he was proud of the time he was champion. This was after Biggie talked about his nipples and the spoils of being champion. And Drew is proud of how he led the company through uncertain COVID times. Did he say COVID? No, he did not. Uncertain said, times. Uncertain times, yes. 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 It's uncertain times, everyone. So please get the uncertain times vax because uh, <laughs> we don't want to have any more uncertain times. We want to have oh. certainty in our life. <laughs> yes, yes. So he, the Usos come out and no one knows why they're here. What do they want? The Usos explain. The bloodline got drafted to SmackDown, but the bloodline are here in your city. <laughs> Cool. They, okay. they just happened to be in town. They were in town. Well, this was their just... day off, and they decided to show up. And they are here because they don't know which one of them is going to be champion for Roman Reigns to have to face after Crown Jewel. And they warn Big E, we already have plans for Kofi and Woods when they come over to SmackDown. And Jay issues the challenge. Big E and Drew end up agreeing, but Drew does not want Big E to speak for him. And we are left with the question. Can these two men, these two adults, coexist in a tag match together? And then they got super kicked, putting doubt as to whether their coexisting could, in fact, occur tonight. They got super kicked and they blamed the other. So, you know what? Temporary truce. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I will say, like, this is a very by-the-numbers, I think, predictable type of WWE singles babyface build. So I feel like if you've watched professional wrestling WWE into the WWE long enough, you know exactly what you're going to get here. Um, and then to me, it's kind of like the way I watch these shows now is like, I know this show has a structure. I know Vince has his playbook. It's just about inserting kind of different names and faces in every single time. Right. So the way I judge these shows now is not about like them going to the playbook. It's about how well they play within the playbook. It's like, you know, like, um, like, like, I don't know, like a jazz thing, like where there's like a structure for, or jazz standard, like where like, you know, people will play the same song, but then it's within the improvisation where you can really kind of find the specialty. So I think I'm at least I'm, I'm completely screwed up everybody. So like, don't take my opinion for like the common person's opinion at, at, at all. I'm somebody who's just watched tens and thousands of, hours of this stuff but the way i find enjoyment out of it now is like did they do a good job filling these gaps and i thought in this case they actually did i thought drew had really like great motivation for wanting to be a champion again he you know he's his whole thing now after after the pen or you know now that he's uncertain lost times belt, he's the uncertain times champion he's the <laughs> champion who let the company through uncertain times but in this promo he said I'm still searching for my moment. Viggy, you just came out. You experienced this incredible reaction in front of this live audience with your championship. I haven't felt that yet. And I'm still waiting for my moment. I love that. That to me renews my motivation or his motivation for me to want to see him win this belt. So I, I actually like that a lot about Drew. And I think the Usos here, despite them being on SmackDown or whatever, I do think it makes sense because they are here to scout Roman's potential opponent at Survivor Series. I thought they established that all right. And I, oh, oh, but before somebody uh, tweets us, um, 
Raymond wants to correct himself. the The trip to uh, from Iowa to Vegas is actually four hours fifty six minutes. So my our point totally stands. <laughs> Get out of here, Raymond! Trying to diminish the man's travel day. That's a that's a long ass plane ride. Very long. Yeah. Kevin Patrick, who low key was my favorite person on tonight's show, he just asks like he doesn't beat around the bush. He just gets right to the question, and he asks Kofi and Xavier if you two win tonight. You're going to have to face off next week. And they just laughed it off. They wouldn't entertain this idea. They're like, you think they're going to book us both to win? You're out of your mind, Patrick. So Xavier Woods took on Ricochet. Ricochet had a promo ahead of time. This is an opportunity of a lifetime to be in the king of the ring where I could literally, literally propel myself into another stratosphere. And I am ready to go to SmackDown with a new name, King Ricochet. Yeah, wasn't that his nickname on the Indies? It's not in WWE. It is. Um. Well, I mean, if he thinks he's going to get on a rocket um, in Saudi Arabia after winning this tournament, I'd, I don't he, know. He I'd, has a better chance of calling up Onita to try and get on a rocket than in this company. Yeah. Byron... Yeah. Byron notes that it's Ricochet's chance to prove the all the people that think he should be at a higher level. Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of people do do think that. Um, this was like a nice match. It was like your your bi monthly reminder that Ricochet is really good. This was also his birthday. He turned thirty three on Monday, meaning there's still a lot of time left. Uh, I suppose so. Yeah, waiting. But for- it's ticking. It is ticking. It kind of is. You're right. But, you know, you, most people in the WWE don't hit main event status until, I don't know, mid-30s. Well, he's he's climbing up there. He's at 33 now. It's yeah. it's time to get going. The 30s have been a little rough on Ricochet. So uh, there's a springboard into this huge superplex by Ricochet. And Woods comes back, double stomp, and then a flying leg drop off the second turnbuckle. Ricochet lifts him up off the mat. For a, or Ricochet gets lifted up for a vertical, but then dropped onto Woods' knees. And Ricochet rolls into this Death Valley driver, PK, and then a huge somersault dive over the corner post. He hits a follow-up Tope Suicida, goes for another one, which Woods sidesteps, rolls in Ricochet, elbow off the top, and Xavier Woods advances, defeating Ricochet. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ricochet. Yeah, I mean, good little match, you know? Um, Again, it's like... Uh, if you are watching Raw for the actual wrestling content, then you know and this was probably one of the few points in the show where you actually got it. This was uh, there, this was not a show with a lot of great wrestling. Like we didn't get that long kind of Raw I, I match think, in the I middle. Think they scared all the people who watch wrestling for good wrestling away from the show. Like they those, those people have plenty of other alternatives. The people only watching right now are the people that like maybe just you know care about the characters and the storyline. Um, because you, I, I've learned not to tune into Raw to to watch good wrestling. But if you do tune in occasionally, you might get you know maybe a solid eight minute match like this. To me, the no- most notable thing in this in this match was how much attention they paid to Xavier Woods and his his campaigning to win the King of the Ring. They brought up how essentially it is his dream, or how 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 the King of the Ring influenced him to become a, a wrestler when he was young. And um, they, you know, they they kind of acknowledge that this was 
this is not just sort of like this online campaign that exists off of TV. They are bringing it onto TV as part of his character. So as far as like, I would say, pushes go within the King of the Ring, they are making him by far the biggest baby face. Randy Orton's in the locker room with Riddle. Riddle has challenged Omos tonight, thinking that Randy will have another plan to outsmart them. He talks about Jack and the Beanstalk and all this shit. Orton doesn't have a plan. Says that Riddle made a mistake, and you're on your own. And Riddle doesn't believe him. He thinks Randy will come save him at the end of the day. Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. There are cracks in the foundation, everyone. They took on Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Ali missed a 450 and got hit with a Michinoku driver as Mansoor was held from the floor. And Alexander and Benjamin picked up the win in a minute 20. Ali shoved Mansoor and said, I'm sick of this. Yeah. They had a good run. I, I, I know, like, um, you know, much of the maybe conversation coming out of this is, like, how little time the Queen's Crown matches have, have gotten. And I think that car- criticism is, is absolutely justified because it's a wrestling tournament. You want to see, especially in those tournaments, more time for those matches. A lot of these matches on the show oh, were yeah. very much short. It's not just the women's matches. Like th- there was a lot of short stuff on this show, but the I, I think with the tournament matches we saw Friday, it kind of just continued that trend on this show. Yes, absolutely. But they're certainly like I would say going through a trend where they're really just kind of focusing on storylines, giving you a fast moving show, and then on occasion maybe giving you a ten minute match, and for the main event maybe two segments at most. And this is very different from. Maybe, I don't know, it feels like, what, a year, a year, a half and a half ago, maybe, when they were doing these very long, like, over several breaks types of matches. Um, now it's just like, boom, boom, boom. So part of it is a d- d- desire to to making a, a fast-moving show. But, of course, like, I think it's a very justified complaint, like, what what the big matches are that you're you're choosing to, to keep long. Shayna Baszler and Dana Brooke. Graves continued his gimmick ripping on Dana. And she went for a handspring back elbow, was caught with the Kirafuda clutch, and her big moment was countering the Kirafuda clutch and going for a Mahistral cradle, which Baszler escaped, ankle lock, Dana rolled out, it did not look smooth, and then Shayna killed her with a knee to the face and pinned her in one minute and 25 seconds. Shayna tries to further attack her because, hey, I flew all the way to San Francisco, I want a bit longer than a minute 25, uh, but Dana rolled out and yelled... That's uncalled for. Yeah. Babyface, you can really live and die by. That's <laughs> uncalled for. That's too violent. Uh, and that's it. Dana has been eliminated. Oh, Shane is the, the babyface. Are you kidding me? Like, she's she's got the cool, like, you know, arm-breaking spot. It's hard to cheer for any of these other ones. Yeah, maybe they, maybe she can win this tournament and she can become the queen of spades. Uh, I don't know if we recognize... That wasn't created within the system. Uh, all the women in the tag match tonight had monologues in the back to reflect on life. Charlotte doesn't care about Shayna. She ran down the three women, including Becky, and she's beaten Sasha many times. Stay tuned. Riddle versus Omos. This is our big singles match where Riddle announces that he's very good at thinking. He tells Omos he looks more swole than the skipper dude, AJ, and he's trying to delay thinking that Randy has this plan and he's going to strike at any minute. He never shows up. He doesn't listen to the secret word, and AJ calls this ridiculous. The ref rings the bell, 
And Riddle attacks AJ and gets launched into the ring by Omos, who beats the hell out of this guy. Choke slam. AJ tells him to stop pinning him and instead teach him the karate you told me you know about. Give him the roundhouse kick. I think he said, like, show him the karate. Remember when you told me you took those karate classes in second grade? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I think that's how they worked that in. Yeah. So. <laughs> At a roundhouse. It looked, uh, it looked like a, I mean, I don't know how technically good of a roundhouse it was, but any time you have, like, a seven-footer kicking you in the head, yeah, it's going to elicit a reaction. It doesn't matter because anytime there's contact, they just cut anyway just to prevent you from noticing or not noticing. Uh, so he throws this roundhouse kick, Mirko Kroamas, uh, and they sell it really Miracle big. Kromos. I, I don't know what I was going for there. Um, the announcers go, whoa. <laughs> we replay it on the screen. AJ has a slow motion replay of it. The crowd chants for Randy, and this guy doesn't show up. Omos hits a tree slam and pins Riddle in 232, just an utter destruction of the man. And no, then no, he asked for the old CB. The old CB. I, I think it stands for choke bomb. Oh, I thought it was like some cannabis joke. I didn't know what they were going with here. The CB. Yeah, the old CB. Old C, old C, old CB? What was, uh, what, was, what was Christian? He was the CLB, right? CLB, yeah. So Orton shows up late. Uh, AJ is awaiting for him to show up. And wouldn't you know it, Orton shows up from behind and hits an RKO. Omos was on the floor. So Randy must have just gingerly walked right past him to enter the ring and hits the RKO. What, mm -hmm. what a great plan by the baby faces. This is after Riddle was destroyed for two and a half minutes. Well, I don't know if this was ex exactly a plan. To me, this kind of read as Randy is scared of Omos. So he didn't come out when the match was active, did not come out until Omos was out of the ring, and AJ was left alone. So, so I mean, I, that to me is kind of clear, isn't it? That that Randy is afraid of Omos. Well, he challenged Omos last week, but it was all a decoy to get to AJ. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But, I mean, still, he, he, he doesn't want any, any piece of Omos, and Riddle is in the role of sort of like the sidekick idiot who needs Randy to fight his battles. So was this a grand plan, or was this Randy spur of the moment helping out his friend? Yeah, it didn't seem like a grand plan to me. Like I was Riddle. Like I would have told him, listen, I've challenged Omos, and I want to shoot an angle before the pay-per-view where we take them out, okay? And if Randy's not on board, I'd be like, listen, dude, you came all the way here to this show. What else are you doing tonight? This is our plan. This is what we're doing at Raw tonight. So I need you to show up in this match. Preferably before I get CB'd. His plan was to just show up at the end and hit an RKO. Randy's like, I'm here to listen to my tunes in the locker room. And that's it. I got a big flight to Saudi next week. I want the night off. Drew confronts Big E. And they, had, they agree that they will beat the brakes off one another at Crown Jewel, but tonight we'll be on the same page and let bygones be bygones, and then did the Mega Powers handshake. Mmm, yes. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're, they're friends right now. Bobby Lashley comes out by himself, recaps the Goldberg feud, and he complains about Goldberg threatening to end my life. He said that he has a license to kill, and that is not behavior befitting 
of a WWE superstar or a father, which Goldberg claims to be. So Lashley is not accusing him of being a bad father or a poor role model. He is calling into question Goldberg being a father, period. Like this Gage kid. Do we know that much about Gage? Are you really a father? Need a paternity test for sure. Yeah, so Maury is going to come in. Uh, He compares how the two dress and compares to Goldberg, this man frothing at the mouth, screaming about murder. (laughs) The icon of Goldberg has been reduced to a rabid dog, and that dog must be put down, and you can't kill the Almighty. I thought this was a really good promo from Bobby Lashley. I think that they have benefited from the use of death threats in this. Um, I thought this was, you know, for a guy that it's usually MVP doing the heavy lifting Mm -hmm. uh, on the mic, I thought Lashley cut a fine promo. I thought so too. You know, over the past week since MVP has been off screen, Lashley has uh, come across as more and more of a confident promo and... He really speaks very well for himself. He, he he is now, I would say, a very complete package as far as, you know, big intimidating threat uh, who's intense in the ring and I think has very good matches and now can also speak for himself. So he um, he continues to just impress. I promise this match is going to be... Th- this one, I think, will definitely click with me because on a day where we might be watching six plus hours of wrestling, these two for like six minutes... It's going to be a godsend at that time. I'm hoping because like I'm hoping for a great Goldberg match, you know, like one where he he's successful in executing everything. The template needs to be that that mania match with him and Lesnar, the five minute sprint. But listen, do you think we'll get a jackhammer? Because Bobby Lashley is not a small guy. I think Goldberg has not had great success with the jackhammer in Saudi Arabia. So I I don't want to see a spear into the post. And mm. I don't know about a jackhammer. We will see. That's hmm. it's a big man. The jackhammer is a little ambitious in at fifty four. Maybe Gage can do it. Do you think Gage will be there? They've, I they've hinted. So. I mean, he did say to bring Gage. I think so. Of course, the whole storyline's about him. I think he Gage needs has to, to get involved. He'll have to. And you and you have fraternity. you probably have Cedric and Benjamin there for the, for that reason. Like this, this mm. one will need some bells and whistles to it. Yes, yes. If you want to maybe squeeze ten minutes out of it, Sasha promo. She hates everyone as well. Jeff Hardy comes out and we go to break and, you know, we, we talk about all the demos, but we haven't talked about the, the, the doll demographic. Chucky watching old episodes of Raw, but not watching the new one. Um, a fan of Alexa Bliss. And this was a nice return from uh, 1998. Uh, the only thing that would have been better would be Chucky going after Braun Breaker after interrupting Rick Steiner 23 years ago. Why? Oh, because that's when the movie came out. Well, when when Chucky appeared on Nitro, it was to interrupt Rick Steiner. So, oh, I don't remember that. I didn't know Chucky had a cameo in Nitro. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a pretty brutal segment in 1998. Wow, how did I miss that? Wow, that's a, he, so he's very familiar with pro wrestling. This was, this was uh, the Halloween before the finger poke of Doomway, so you were missing out until yeah. the golden period. My Dark Ages, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, they're promoting this this new Chucky show, aren't they? Yeah, it's a series. It's a series, yeah. I didn't know what this was. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy and Austin Theory. So Theory's got him in a shoulder lock when the 24-7 geeks come out. And Theory eventually gives up and complains to Tozawa. 
goes after our truth turns around. Hardy uses a Manhattan drop, twist of fate, but misses with the Swanton. And Theory rolls up Jeff, grabbing the jeans for leverage. And Austin Theory wins in two minutes and three seconds. Graves says this will go down in history as Austin Theory winning his first match on Raw, meaning Corey was not paying attention last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was a different Austin Theory. He beat he beat Tozawa of all people on Raw last year <laughs> among his wins. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Quick victory for this cocky heel over your babyface veteran. Um, pretty right standard. guy won. It was just I mean in two oh, minutes yeah. with the twenty four seven stuff, nothing you'd remember or like a win over Jeff Hardy. It meant nothing here to me. No, I mean it was a time a way to showcase your twenty four seven division into I don't know like. I guess it somewhat establishes Austin Theory. I was I will say I think he's getting a decent start on the show. You know, he like he he has I mean he didn't there. lose, which you know, debuting guys against Jeff Hardy, it's not always a great uh, introduction. So Very he at true, least won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a step ahead of Karrion Cross, who was ab- absent from Raw tonight. Bianca Belair, she doesn't need to cheat. She beat Sasha Banks at WrestleMania, and she'll only need 30 seconds to knock Becky down to Becky no belts and teases a double pin at Crown Jewel, or maybe tonight. I liked her promo. I liked hers and Becky's the most out of the four that we had. You know, the... I, I think they were everybody... the only two. Uh, they were the only things of substance that I, I remembered. Mm-hmm. Kevin Patrick, again, is badgering the New Day about who will win. They're like, screw off, Kevin. Jinder Mahal, Kofi Kingston, King of the Ring, Veer and Shanky are out. Uh, Kofi did a trust fall, come back from break, uh, he calls for the trouble in paradise after hitting the boom drop and Shanky distracts, which gets Woods involved and he gets dropped by Veer's million dollar arm, which they identified once again. And Kingston gets rolled up, but they tease after a 5,000 roll up finishes. Kofi kicks out, but then came off the top and was hit with the Coloss and Jinder Mahal advances. You are not going to get the New Day war next week. Mm. Instead, you will get Jinder versus Xavier Woods. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to have to wait if we want to see Kofi versus uh, Woods, at least uh, again. But uh, yeah, Jinder Mahal versus Xavier Woods. I will say after this episode, I mean, I thought for sure, oh, with Woods talking about this King of the Ring so much, they're definitely definitely going to drop him out in the first mm-hmm. round. He made it past the first round. Now I'm thinking he might actually make it all the way to the final. But of course, like, my, you know, I think I think a solid prediction that both of us have is that Finn Balor will be making it to the SmackDown side of the bracket because he's going to face Sami Zayn, and unless something has changed for Sami Zayn, he probably will not be making it to Saudi Arabia. So that means we can potentially be getting Finn Balor versus Xavier Woods, which I think would be a great match on paper, but is it necessarily a match that they will do, given their their pretty equal babyface statuses? I don't know, because my other thinking is that Jinder Mahal is going to win this one, and we get Finn Balor versus Jinder Mahal, which I still think is very much a possibility. So... Um, a lot of Xavier Woods fans out there, uh, and they certainly kind of like dangled, you know, like him being the biggest baby face in this one. Will he win next week? I actually don't know. Becky doesn't have much more to say. She's beat all these women before. She's always five steps ahead. And on her partner, Charlotte, she is as appealing as the lingering smell of piss in a downtown alley, which was quite the line. And then said that Sasha runs home and cries every time she loses. She's walking in champion and walking out champion at Crown Jewel. I liked it. 
Good promo from Becky. Then we got the big, the big tag match: Charlotte and Becky against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Man, Charlotte with this Infinity Gauntlet robe. See that? No, I didn't notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I'll tell you about my navigational issues oh, tonight. Okay. Yeah. So tonight, I had my my DVR all set. Because I'm just now in the habit of just watching the WWE stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd give it a go. There's no harm in trying, okay? Mm-hmm. Empty mouths don't get fed. So I said, well, you know what? Let's, let's go for it. I go. I, I, I fire up Sportsnet now. My computer doesn't explode at this request, even though they're warning me. John, why? Why are you doing this? It's, I'm, it's around 8.45 that I sit down to watch Raw. I go to the beginning of the show. It's like, Jesus Christ, is this a miracle? Thanksgiving has come to the Pollock household. I can rewind Sportsnet now. So I'm starting. Now, I know it's a little nitpicky. It is a little annoying because prior, you know, you you miss something way and you just want to go back like 10 or 15 seconds. There was the function uh, to go that exact amount, 15 seconds. This, Mm -hmm. it's a full 30, forward or backwards. Okay. Now I tried the shortcuts on my keypad because some most players just you hit you know the back arrow you go back five seconds. Of course, the designer of the Sportsnet Now player did not want to bother with the little details. So whatever, whatever. I digress. I could rewind. Okay. Very hard if I was missing something to have to go back. Then it crashes. It's like that's annoying. To restart the thing, we go another thirty minutes. It crashes. Dude, this thing crashed on me, like, multiple times. It's a pain in the ass to navigate on this thing. It's just like, why, why does this have to be, like, an adventure that, at the end, I have to survive this viewing experience? Yeah, I had the same experience, too. I mean, I, I, I was... Is it crashing? Of it crashing. Every, yeah, maybe about 30 minutes or so, and I would just have to refresh it, and then would have to go back to my spot. Um, but considering what... We were both dealing with prior. I mean, I'll take the occasional crash. It, ca- crashes. You're right, though. Like, I, I mean, why? Why? How come so often? Like, whenever these things happen, it 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 doesn't happen for the better. Like, I don't know possibly what what would what they improved from the previous iteration of this thing that made this whole change worthwhile. I have no idea. I mean, it must have been something in the behind the scenes that they needed to do. But at least the user experience is certainly not better. I have no idea. I have no idea, but this new player is um I don't know. We got to find a we got to find an award for this come the end of the year. So, how a feud of the year. For you it's, and it's and intensifying. The Sportsnet now player. We're going to see how this goes. So, Belair and Banks, they're partners, but they disagree. They could barely coexist and they start fighting. Becky's fighting with Belair, Flair knocks them all over. Everyone kills everybody. They're on the floor, and then DeVille and Pierce come out to announce this is not how this tag match can end. We're going to restart things. So the match begins. Banks is trying for the bank statement. She counters the disarmer. Flair slaps Becky on the head to tag herself in. There's a backstabber. Like, this was just, it was spots. It was all over the place. This, to me, was, like, not cohesive in any which way. And then the whole thing got thrown out in four and a half minutes after I think it was Banks got dropped on on the buckle here by Bianca Belair, who was her partner. So this just disintegrated into nothing. 
I mean, I think the idea was just to establish that everybody in this match hates the other person. That was accomplished. And uh, I got yeah. it. Everyone is feuding. Uh, Becky, Becky was the one to stand tall at the end here after hitting the manhandle slam while Charlotte just hung out on the floor. But Becky got her music to play. Yeah. I mean, at the end of it, of course, you understand why they they do what they do. You understand why they threw out the bullshit finish. I even understand why they did the kind of bullshitty, oh, this match it can't get started. Let's get them back in order after this commercial break. You know, I understand doing all that at 10 o'clock. The idea is to just get get all of your biggest female stars on screen at the same time at 10 o'clock and to get people to tune in afterwards. I understand all that. But to advertise this as a match ahead of this show as, I would say, the biggest selling point of this show, and then to deliver this, something that was not this even This was the match. top match advertised for Raw Absolutely. over the weekend. So to, to give you this, which was not even a match, it was like some sort of out, outside of the, the ground brawling, and then just this cop-out of a finish where they just, uh, did they get counted out? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. It went four minutes. It was completely unsatisfying and it's big a big part of the reason why i think people stop caring about what you're advertising as big tv matches because everybody knows you're going to get some sort of bullshit finish whatever result will happen if it happens won't matter anyway and ultimately it's just i don't know a teaser for what might be be coming up at the pay-per-view and i will tell you where this does bite them is on a week where they are pushing this Becky versus uh, mm-hmm. Sasha Banks match as the top that and Brock are the top features of SmackDown. And you're Commercial you understand free? like this match is a hook for people. But when you get into this rhythm of not even knowing if you're going to get any kind of substantive match, much less a finish, that is where things do differ because on the AEW side, they promise you a match. You are not thinking I'm getting bullshit or I'm getting some some just bait and switch on a show. It's you're going to get that match. You're going to get a finish. And I think in the long term that if you value like matches being something that is going to attract a viewer, I do think like this is something where it's it just works against you, especially this week where that is what they're selling you on Friday. I mean, are you confident in seeing a finish to Becky no. and Sasha? I oh would be God. stunned if we got a finish. God, no. Are you kidding me? Like, because Becky's not going to get pinned. She's the champion. Can Sasha get pinned? Sure. But I doubt it because I think they have big plans for Sasha after this match. I mean, somebody's going to have to get pinned on, on the show. And you know what? It very well could be Sasha. And if it's, if it's going to be I, Sasha. I, this then... would be indicative of not necessarily anyone has to be pinned. True. I think everyone knows True. Charlotte and B- Belair are going to get involved. Charlotte. Oh, okay. Yes, Charlotte and Belair. You mean Charlotte at the at the at Crown Jewel will get involved? No, no. I'm saying at SmackDown. Oh, I'm, say, okay. I'm, I'm saying for the TV match on Friday with with Becky against Sasha. Yeah, it. I I do think. Um, I don't think it. I think you're going to get a match. Okay, I think Friday will be a different exception where I think WWE actually has some some actual like reason to give you a solid wrestling match. And do we have confirmation that it's uh, commercial free? So 30 minutes. I, I have seen it mentioned that they mentioned it on the football game. I did not see the ad myself. And I actually asked WWE today and I have not gotten a response back yet. So, okay. and they did not say it on the, on the ads tonight. So mm. I'm unsure about that, but apparently it was stated during the football game, but I didn't see any graphics or images uh, of that ad. 
Okay, John, I'm sure you'll, you'll keep everybody updated. But nonetheless, like I, I, I do imagine they, they will give you a solid wrestling match between the two. Whether or not they will give you a finish at the doubtful. end of it, very doubtful. Another one of my favorites, though, is the the face-to-faces that we get. Tonight, they drew and Biggie face-to-face. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can, we, what can we guarantee will happen on Monday? It's like, well, I'm sure they're going to come into contact with one another. There will be... One face meeting another face. Yeah. We can guarantee that that will happen. <laughs> Even if plans change over the weekend, they will see one another. We can advertise that. Yeah. And we yeah. got a face-to-face tonight between them. Yeah, they will breathe the same air in the same room. They'll be <laughs> yeah. in the same room together. <laughs> breath to breath. Yeah. The Usos uh, get off the phone with Roman, who tells them to complete the mission. This is chess, not checkers. Dewdrop and Natalia brings to an end our opening round of the Queen's Crown Tournament. Dewdrop says if she wins, she's one step closer to royalty. Yas Queen. She's going to be the Yas Queen, okay. They note... um, Please section that off, Brandon. (laughs) John Pollock, Yas Queen. Hey, I'm going to give credit here to the announcers. Um, I don't know if it was Saxton or Graves that brought up that Natalia suffered her ankle injury in the summer while in the ring with Dewdrop, which mm. I mean, right there, you have some story here yes. for our, for our three minute match. This is why it got the most of any of the first round matches. Cause it had a story. They got three minutes and one second. Um, they yeah, noted, man. they noted that there have been several Kings in Natalia's family without mentioning them. Uh, Dewdrop misses a cent on and, then Natalia gets an abdominal stretch. Shayna's watching backstage. She gets out. Dewdrop misses a cannonball. The sharpshooter gets stopped with a slap. And Dewdrop wins with the roll-up in three minutes. And notes the announcers note that she is proving all the doubters and haters wrong that say Dewdrop doesn't have what it takes. I don't know who those doubters and haters are, but she is the winner. And that concluded our eight-minute 18 second first round of the queen's crown yeah i mean uh i mean listen i I, you know if they come back with these second round matches that are like 30 minute um five star (laughs) classics okay then maybe we could take things back but listen as it exists this queen's crown tournament is incredibly sad um and really just comes across as an excuse for them to just do a women's tournament because they're also running a men's tournament and they don't want to face the criticism. I mean, it really feels like they're just kind of shoving these matches out there because they have to, rather than because they truly want to promote the female roster that is on these shows. And it's it, it's very justified that the, the audience watching this has uh, picked up on this and is complaining about it. It's too bad because you can you could have used these to take some characters that are not front and center and just give them some promo mm-hmm. material of just one thing, one reason why this means something to win this tournament and just give some development in that sense of why just give us some promos and suddenly they're fighting for something. And it's just, it's such an easy way to add a story to a match and you tell a story over several episodes and then you get a climax over a two, two week period. Yeah, yeah, not even that. You know, like, uh, some of these King of the Ring matches, at least, like, in the losses, we have some storylines coming out of it, and um, it's hard to really kind of... I mean, they do, they are, like, what is it? They did set up, uh, what is it, uh, what's her name? Dewdrop versus Shayna. They did start that last week, so they are so, at least going in the direction that made sense tonight. So hopefully we get at least five minutes next week. 
Four to five. Yeah, I think it's warranted. Ali is backstage and he's pissed with Mansoor. He tells Mansoor, you are nothing more than a giant waste of time. I've tried to help you survive. Hey, hey sorry. Before this, we have uh, John Morrison seemingly debuting something new. I Sorry, I was going 30 seconds in advance. I totally missed whatever I, this was. I, it's okay. I blame Sportsnet. But do, John Morrison is in the back. He is meditating. And yeah. um, I think, I don't know, trying to communicate to some sort of uh, spirit. Is trying to channel like Johnny Mundo? Uh, could be. Could be asking for... Um, for for uh, the Lucha Underground gods to to make their return to rescue him, but in comes Rhea Ripley and Nikki Cross, who kind of humor him before they go off on their own and talk about how weird he is. So uh, this seems to be a bit of a character shift for John Morrison, and uh, the the gimmick is that um, he's he's a weirdo because he meditates. And meditation, one of the most popular things in 2021, is uh, all of a sudden very weird. So. Well, not all of a sudden, but, you know, really taking, I would say, a 90s approach to uh, perhaps um, um, that that concept. You don't think Vince is doing meditation in between gym sessions? He could be. That could be the inspiration for that. That's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Give give it to the water guy. He probably saw John Morrison meditating backstage and he's like, what is this guy doing? Write him a character. (laughs) Weirdo. (laughs) I totally missed this. What's he doing? Communicating to spirits? (laughs) So Ali tells Mansoor, I was trying to help you survive, but you just want to go out and make friends and dance and be a fanboy. You don't deserve to be here. I'm your only lifeline. Without me, you will get eaten alive. You're a loser. You're worthless. And he goes to walk away. And with the best line of Raw, Kevin Patrick peeks into the shot and tells Mansoor, that must have been hard to hear. (laughs) I laughed out loud. This was the best timed response (laughs) of this weasel character, Kevin Patrick, who's just... (laughs) That must have been hard to hear. <laughs> I love this guy. He's just the worst in the best way. <laughs> and with that, not only that, he distracts Mansoor with this stupid observation. So Ali jumps him and beats the shit out of Mansoor. He kicks him in the chest. I was waiting for Kevin. That must have hurt. <laughs> and he bashes his head into the equipment. I was greatly entertained by this segment. Um and I guess these two, it's going to, they'll get a spot it's, on Crown Jewel. Like that anou- seems to be where we're going. It's been announced, actually, since. Oh, the they announced the it. There mm-hmm. you go. So, makes sense. So, yeah, Mansoor getting his uh, big singles match at Saudi Arabia. And um, I'm actually happy for both of them, you know, getting this kind of big featured match. I mean, the question is whether or not this is always the goal when they put these two together. Something tells me with sort of like the pace of their tag team run that it wasn't. Like, it felt like they were gaining momentum, they were a successful tag team, and then nothing really became of that before they started to falter again. And then here you have, you know, this eventual, at least, breakup for this show. So, um, I think we know Mansoor's going to win in Saudi Arabia, but what happened? You say that with a lot of confidence. Well, again, Saudi Arabia is the one place where the hometown hero can actually win in the WWE. Um, But, you know, what happens after this, whether or not they'll continue this feud or even as a tag team? 
I don't know. Are you are you interested? I think they uh, if if led, led to their own left to their own devices, they could have a very good match together. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad this is a singles match that that is happening. Um, hopefully, they get um, four to five minutes. Maybe no, they they should get some time on this one. Uh, I think the crowd will be red hot for Mansoor. Big E and Drew McIntyre and the Usos was our final match of the night. Heat on Big E for a long time. And then we work up to the tag of uh, Drew McIntyre, who gets in and delivers belly-to-belly suplexes to Jimmy, but then the Usos stop him with a double super kick. Graves says, the Usos did not have to accept this challenge tonight. Saxton points out, well, Corey, they were the ones that issued the challenge tonight, so... They kind of made their own bed here. There's a Claymore countdown, but Big E tags himself in. Shades of last week. And then the Usos recover. Jay hits some super kicks. He misses the Uso splash. The big ending gets stopped. And Big E gets shoved into Drew on the apron, knocking Drew to the floor. So when Big E goes for the cover, Drew yanks Big E to the floor. They start fighting. And somewhere here, Drew gets busted open on the forehead with some hard way shot. And when we saw this after, dude, this guy had a nasty knot on his forehead. That looked terrible. It'll look fun tomorrow when he posts that photo. Like, it was just his golf ball on his forehead. Yeah, man, it was a... It was a he like a hematoma. It was um like like a sphere. The Usos lay out both with splashes. Uh, this was notable. Like the Usos got like babyface reactions in this match. Um, Biggie and Drew made their comeback with belly to bellies on the floor, but then they resumed brawling with one another, and they got counted out. We did not get a finish. Um, Drew stopped the big ending and then got hit with the claymore, and Biggie was left laying. As the show ended with Drew standing tall with his head busted open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I've, I've watched the show long enough to know that the results of these matches don't matter. And instead, what they book for is the content. And at the end of this, you're supposed to leave with the feeling like, oh, my God, these two guys can't get along. They hate each other. I can't wait to see them fight. Um But number one, it's a very played out formula. And in this case, I don't think was really all that. Uh, unique or all that is special for me to really care about it. But more importantly, especially in the context of this show where it was so unsatisfying to see the short matches for the matches that I think were supposed to be important, including the Queen's Crown tournament. Also the lack of finish in the, the what essentially was promoted as your at least main event heading into the show in the four way women's match. Um, and, and, and the show long main event that you promoted all three hours, no finishes for both of those things. It, I, it, you can't leave with any feeling coming out of this, but feeling like you've wasted your time. What did I watch this show for? What did I gain from watching this show? It's almost like you want the the animated face to just show up and pop up. Like, uh, what, what was that? Uh, what was that game you used to play on Nintendo with the gun? Um, Duck Hunt. You know, Duck Hunt, where yeah. you'd miss and the dog would come up from the grass and laugh at you. This is like. We got you. You watched for three no, hours. Don, Don, but, but Duck Hunt was fun. Okay? This was just like, imagine playing Duck Hunt for three hours and getting nothing but that. Like, but the, this, the, the, you're about to beat the game, or at least like getting to the second level, and the screen just turns off. Or turns cause, orange, because you've missed so many times. Uh, sure. Okay, that too. 
Um, I actually never had an NES. I had oh, a Super Nintendo. You missed out. So, but listen, what 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 would you say people needed to watch this show for to follow any sort of story? Here's what you get out of Raw. Okay, it's it's habitual viewing for those that this is their their sacred programming on Monday night. And to their credit, it's a good number of people that this is a habit for them. I can't isolate for you. If you are tuning in to see stars, you do see stars. You do see stars show up on Raw. Mm-hmm. You are not, it, this is not a show. And this you is not every face week. Face. You get to see breathing in person. Uh, they looked at each other. Yes. I mean, like this was a show and I'm not going to just like paintbrush all of raw because there were several episodes a few weeks ago where you got a great wrestling show Mm -hmm. where you got two or three solid matches, but on a show like tonight, it's not like we're giving you great wrestling matches. We're not giving you long competitive matches. The promos are what they are. I don't think the promos are going to blow you away on this show. You had some better than others, but what is, what is compelling you to tune into this show? It's, I think a lot of it is habit with people and this direction. I think you come out of the three hours where it just kind of feels empty at what you got out of that three hours versus what you're being asked to set aside of your time to watch this entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. We got, I mean, ultimately we got a lot of angles to build towards the matches that have established in the one case of monster versus Ali. I do think that was significant. If you are a big fan of those two and their storyline, this was the big breakup that is going to lead to their match. But You know, the rest of it was, I think, continuing to heat up the rivalries in the feuds that you've already established for Crown Jewel. Um, In the case of, what is it, uh, Bianca, Becky, Sasha, they just basically brawled on the show. Same with Billy, (laughs) Billy, Drew, Drew and Biggie. (laughs) Billy, Biggie. Billy Billy McIntyre. (laughs) And and Biggie. I mean, the the builds are fine. It just felt like tonight, it was like, we don't have anything new from the playbook to throw at you. So we're just going to just keep things moving. Like, I don't think the women's match is any stronger or weaker after tonight. I don't think Biggie and Drew is any more advanced or weakened by tonight. It's, it was a status quo. Just but that's, that's a problem when you're inv- asking your audience hey, to invest three hours. I'm and, not and, arguing. And in the end, it's like, can, is giving out a finish for any of these matches going to be that detrimental? Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't promote a big match and then just take away the finish every single time. That they ha- the, But that's their playbook. They have been doing it. And who am I to say when they're still, you know, winning the night uh, in, on a lot of these nights, right? Uh, like, maybe well, some well, audiences... T- t- tonight, tonight, they were going against uh, baseball so they, they and football. So there was a lot going against them tonight. So I, I will be curious to see what kind of hit Raw takes tonight. Yeah, but you know, again, it's like if you if you haven't caught on by now, um, this is not the show to watch if you want to see good wrestling. I mean, occasionally it is once in a while, but certainly not tonight. And on that note, completely unrelated, the oh. forum gave this show a two point one one out of ten. And um, you know, last week I, I or the week prior, we definitely we had a drought of zero pieces of feedback. We were very close to that um tonight as well you know before you read this because the last time when we did this and we had like one or no no feedback i can't remember what it was like i was curious as well and like going through our numbers in september like we we are doing very well like on numbers wise it's people still listen to these shows it's amazing to see that because the numbers show especially that night that biggie won the title like 
did a very big number on that. People are listening to us. They are not watching the show based on this lack of feedback, but the download numbers that we see. Yeah, again, you know, in the end, we are all wrestling fans. In Raw, for years and years and years, we have been conditioned to recognize as sort of like a flagship show, even if it's not the flagship show. Every Monday, 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, like we are scheduled in our brains to know wrestling. So I think there's still a lot of curiosity about what's going on. But as far as the physical act of sitting in front of the screen for three hours on a Monday, I mean, that's that's drained a whole lot of people away from this product. And um, I guess and, and I do look at that, like just like honestly, like just looking like sitting down and looking at a lot of our numbers. I do feel like September, that was a big month for AEW in many ways. And mm-hmm. I think some that are looking at, okay, I've got so many hours and so many nights of the week that Wednesday is my, my priority and Monday is going to fall by the wayside, even though that's been my habit. Monday and- is for dancing with the stars. You see the Miz dressed up as the genie. You see <laughs> that, that was, that looked pretty incredible to be quite honest. Like that was a hell of a makeover. Yeah. And John Cena on uh, on um, SNL this weekend. He was on SNL. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a big weekend for for talent. Everywhere. All things more a bit more interesting than maybe most of what was on this raw. But to to start and close our feedback <laughs> for the day, we have Kate from Montreal. Thank you so much, Kate, for being a trooper and uh, at least giving us a reason to keep this portion of the show. She says, "What the hell is even the point of the Queen's Crown tournament?" The ridiculous matches and booking have actually made the women's division worse. The fact that it's juxtaposed against both the men's King of the Ring tournament and Impact's Knockouts Knockdown this weekend just makes it all the more obvious how bad it is. That sounded like a great show, by the way. I was I was watching the Game Changer show, but it sounded like they... I, just watching the clips of the tribute for Daphne, mm-hmm. Awesome Kong being... In, like, they did a lot of news with Kong going into the Hall of Fame, Mercedes Martinez winning the tournament. Like, that's a show that seemed like, if, if you tuned in, like, you got a really enjoyable, you know, two-and-a-half, three-hour show. And tonight, we got to see the company's four biggest women stars in a match that was terrible... By design. They all felt diminished by this. There was some decent in-ring action tonight, but it feels like it doesn't matter. Give me Xavier Woods versus Ricochet in a context where I think there's some doubt as to who is winning. That would be awesome. I've been I put more thought into this comment than the producers put into this show. A one out of ten. Below the average. Well, thank you, Kate. <laughs> that rounds out uh the the public thoughts here of Tonight's episode. I think Kate Kate summed it up really well for many of the people who took the time to watch the show. Well, we are going to take the time to watch three G1 shows coming up this week. Uh, I should note that Way and I are going to do the Tuesday and Wednesday shows, and then I'm going to go solo on Thursday because the wellness policy uh, will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern, once again, on Thursday. So you can check all of that out. Um, yeah, and if there are any late breaking stories, we might you know catch up on on the G one as well uh, on these shows. And I believe we've decided that Wednesday show because there's no dynamite right. this week. We're going to make the Wednesday show for free. So uh, if you haven't already tuned in by now, now's a great time to jump into the G one. Yeah, maybe Wednesday we can also take a few minutes and go over some of the top matches of the G one. Now that sure. we're ending the end, I, I got all my my rankings up to date, all my coffee rankings in order from. Um, my mix and match card to double XLs, all of it in, in between. No, no bowls yet. No bowls yet. We haven't seen a bowl. But that's it. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. And hey, there's always next week. <laughs>